Let us now bow our heads in prayer. Mighty, gracious Father in heaven, you are the creator of heaven and earth, the beautiful sunshine, the fields, the growing harvest, the trees and the water are all the work of your hands. You show to us your might and your power in creation, and especially now during these summer months when we have some time to go out and to enjoy your creation. We praise you, O Lord, where we know you are the maker of everything we see, all the wonderful joy that we experience from your creation. We praise you, O Lord, because when we see your mighty hand, your powerful arm, as it is revealed in creation, we may know that the God who created all this by a word is also our Father. We may speak to you being your children in Jesus Christ. We praise you, O Lord, that we have this understanding, this knowledge, this revelation in your holy word. We praise you, O Lord, that the Holy Spirit works in our lives by the preaching, by your word, that we may have this understanding of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, that your wrath has been satisfied. and We are your children in him. We pray, Father, that you will bless the proclamation of this gospel again this day, this afternoon, that you will strengthen the preacher, the minister in this place. We also pray for those who are preaching in other places here in Edmonton and other places in Canada and other places in the world. Lord, we pray that your people may be fed by the preaching of the gospel their faith may be strengthened and that we all may be led to glorify and praise you, to live with great thankfulness as we strive to be holy before you. We pray, Father, that you will be near to each one of us this afternoon, that we may truly understand again the joy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that this may encourage us, that this may help us as we go from here, and that we may live as your children, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. We may live as your children with the Holy Spirit in our hearts every day of our lives to your glory, to your praise. And we ask all this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us now open God's holy word. And we will read... 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 11 to 21 2 
letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 11 to 21. Hear the word of God. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen, rather than in what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This teaching of Christ's work of reconciliation is also summarized uh, in the confession of the church. And I'd like to read as well then part of the confession of the church, a confession of the church in the Belgic Confession, Article 20. The message this afternoon is based on the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed in Lord's Day 15. And so we read also the confession of the church Summary of the Word of God and the Promise in Article 20 of the Belgic Confession. It's in the Book of Praise, page 455. And here, God's people confess, We believe that God, who is perfectly merciful and just, sent His Son to assume that nature in which disobedience had been committed, to make satisfaction in that same nature, and to bear the punishment of sin by his most bitter passion and death. God therefore manifested his justice against his Son when he laid our iniquity on him and poured out his goodness and mercy on us who were guilty and worthy of damnation. Out of a most perfect love he gave his Son to die for us, And he raised him for our justification that through him we might obtain immortality and life eternal. Let us now sing 
uh, him, him 22. of our Catholic and undoubted Christian faith teach us a summary of all that is promised us in the gospel and today we look at the articles that speak of Christ's suffering in Lord's Day 15 the Heidelberg Catechism that's page 488 in the book of praise we'll read here a confession summary of the word of God What do you confess when you say that he suffered? That's speaking of the Lord Jesus. During all the time he lived on earth, but especially at the end, Christ bore in body and soul the wrath of God against the sin of the whole human race. Thus by his suffering as the only atoning sacrifice, he has redeemed our body and soul from everlasting damnation and obtained for us the grace of God, righteousness, and eternal life. Why did he suffer under Pontius Pilate as judge? Though innocent, Christ was condemned by an earthly judge, and so he freed us from the severe judgment of God that was to fall on us. Does it have a special meaning that Christ was crucified and did not die in a different way? Yes, Thereby I am assured that he took upon himself the curse which lay on me, for a crucified one was cursed by God. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when you hear the word suffering, 
What do you think of? What are you thinking of right now? Many of us are thinking of injury or illness that causes us pain and discomfort or that causes someone we love pain and discomfort. Others think of things in this life that make them sad, things that we we really have no words to explain. We think of misery, frustration, war, being uncomfortable places. We realize there is so much suffering in the world, we, we speak about that. When the Catechism asks the question, but what it meant that Jesus Christ suffered, the answer seems obvious. What does it mean that he suffered? Well, just read the Gospels. We know a bit of his life. We know that there are many things that were very hard for him. But there's a reason the question is asked, and that is because we confess that Jesus Christ suffered under Pontius Pilate and was crucified. When we confess that, we understand that his suffering is different than our suffering. Many aspects of Christ's suffering are the same as we experience them. However, those who think that the physical pain and suffering of Christ is the extent of his suffering, they miss out on what Scripture teaches. He endured much more than what the bystanders could see with their eyes. We need to understand this one thing to to make it all clear. The suffering of Jesus Christ was not only what other people did to him, but it was what God Almighty made him do. It was what he himself chose for himself in this life. And only in understanding this do we understand the gospel. Anything short of this, and and we should be condemned for our fascination with the torment of another human being. But today we will consider what the Bible teaches us about the nature and the purpose of Christ's suffering. This message of the gospel is the message of hope for all mankind, the source of all our praise, of all our worship, of all our peace, and of all our joy. And I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ under the following theme, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. We will see that what we deserve, he endured, and what we enjoy, he obtained. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, then God cursed the ground because of them. We read that in Genesis. And this curse upon all flesh had the result that that our lives are full of suffering. We thought of what the suffering might look like in our lives already in the introduction. Life as a human after this fall into sin is never easy. If you ever had to get up in the middle of the night to care for your baby, you know very well that, that already young babies experience distress, pain, sickness can strike at a, a young age. It can never, never even leave our lives Hunger destroys many people every year. Natural disasters cause tragic destruction. 
war and hatred lead to, to deaths of thousands and, and even in our, in our own circles. This constant presence of death, this constant knowledge of this death and this separation can cause as much grief. And then when our days ordained for us in the book of life are completed, we also die. Did Christ Jesus experience any of this suffering? Does he understand this suffering? Of course he did. Hebrews is very clear that he understands. The Gospels tell us that he too, that he too wept when he saw the ravaging effects of the fall into sin. He shared in our humanity. He took on human flesh and during all the time he lived on earth, he suffered. It's good to realize that indeed Jesus Christ had a similar experience to ours when it comes to suffering. He endured this aspect of the curse of God along with every human being that was upon the earth. We read many times that our Lord Jesus Christ was was in a quiet place praying to his Father in heaven for strength. This shows his recognition of his frailty as a human and his complete dependence on his Father in heaven. He gave up the glory he had with his Father in heaven. But there's more to his suffering than just a passive experience of the sorrows found in a fallen world. He did more than just grow in his ability to sympathize with our weakness. And we really find this revelation in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. And what does it mean that God made a, a person, a real person, to be sin? Well, it does not mean that Jesus Christ's form changed in any way so that he looked like sin given a body. Rather, it means that God focused all his anger against sin, and this sin was on the shoulders of one man. Paul is speaking with the Old Testament in mind. The Old Testament where it was commanded to choose one of the animals of your flock to be set aside for a sin offering. An animal became one who would bear sin and be punished for that sin. And then when he was slaughtered, it meant that the sin that had been placed upon him was, was paid for by his life. And all this, of course, was pointing to our Lord Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he made. When God made Jesus Christ to be a sin offering for the people, to be made sin, this means that God placed the guilt of all our sins upon his son, Jesus Christ. And then God punished the guilt of this sin by focusing all his anger upon this one man. God is a just God. The wages of sin is death. Blood must be shed for every sin that we commit. When the Bible teaches that God made the Lord Jesus to become sin, that means that he was treated as one who was guilty of all the sins that were placed on his shoulders. 
That means that since God saw him as the sinner who committed all the sins, past and present and future, that were ever committed by any person alive, God poured out his wrath against him so that he was cursed and he was forsaken and he was slaughtered by death on the cross. And just as anyone who wanted to find forgiveness of sins had to bring a sin offering as a substitute for his own death in the Old Testament, so also now, if anyone wants to know about the payment of their sins, they need to look to Jesus Christ, who was made to be that sin offering. And when he bore the burden of God's wrath against the sin of the whole human race, This was also payment. He was punished for the purpose of satisfying God's justice. Just like the Old Testament sin offering, except now it was a a perfect, a final sacrifice. And when we confess that the Lord Jesus suffered, we mean that God made him a sacrifice. It means that he suffered for the benefit of others. And so we see, brothers and sisters, the terrible experience of Christ's suffering is is very different from our suffering. What we confess about the suffering of Christ is an article of faith. It is a repetition of what the Bible teaches. It is not based on our own experience because of the grace of God. This is also made clear in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, when it it describes the one who bore God's wrath against sin as him who had no sin. The Holy Spirit also reveals this about the Lord Jesus in 1 Peter 3, verse 18, where we read, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. The criminal on the cross beside Jesus recognized this amazing truth when he rebuked the second criminal by saying, don't you fear God since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve but this man has done nothing wrong. Luke 23 verse 41. Jesus Christ was innocent. He had done nothing wrong. He was righteous. He had not had one sinful thought. He loved his Father in heaven. He did everything in obedience to him. But he was made to be Sin. He was made to be what he hated and abhorred. He was treated like all those who did the very things that hurt and grieved him, what they deserved. Here was one who truly loved his father, who truly understood the glory and the joy of obedience, the blessing of living in a close relationship without the hindrance of sin, who hungered and thirsted for righteousness his whole life, 
in obedience, being a man. And yet he was the one who was punished. We recognize how this intensified his suffering. No person on earth would ever experience such suffering. It is an article of faith. It is a testament, not of a testimony, not of God's unfairness, but rather of his incredible love. For this was not done to our Lord Jesus against his will. But he went to the cross knowingly and willingly. And what was the punishment that he suffered? What did it look like when God's wrath was poured out upon him? The intense weight and humiliation and shame and agony of being weighed down with sin while standing in the presence of the holy and righteous God was endured. Upon him was the guilt of murder and rape and child sacrifice and all kinds of sexual perversion and serial killers and oppressors of the needy and slave drivers and kidnappers and greed and robbery and lies and hitting and hating and drunkenness and substance abuse and gossip. The weight of our sins was upon him. There he stood in the presence of the Almighty and Holy God. The God who had made man good and in his own image with the command to glorify him. Whose holiness shines out like an exposing light. Whose eyes see right through to the soul. Whose anger and hatred of these sins is so clearly described in every corner of Holy Scriptures. Jesus Christ was made to to squirm for our sins. He was was made to answer for our rebellious decisions that have no explanation. He was made to look at the disappointment and the sorrow and the offense and the anger and the the eyes of our holy God. We confess he suffered. We sang hymn 1A, the Apostles' Creed again. And we say, he suffered. We need to understand the burden of this suffering. And we read in the Gospels that the sun stopped shining. And the Almighty God, his Heavenly Father, turned his back on his only Son. God cursed him. And he turned his back on him. Jesus Christ, we read, hung there all alone. So small in this this huge universe that his father created. So burdened with others' sins. Jesus Christ was forsaken by his father in heaven. It was his voice that could be heard from the cross. Like a small voice in a large universe. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? And it was us. It was you. It was our sins. 
that weighed him down. Our heart that lusts after other men and women. Our murder of our neighbor by our anger or our envy or desire for, for revenge. Our carelessness about the things of God and the worship of his name. Our decision that, oh well, it's just a Sunday afternoon service. Our rebellion. It's us who do things in our life without thinking about God. God tells us he is angry at that attitude, that unbending, stubborn heart. God must punish that unkindness to your brother, to your sister, to the other person who needs help. We deserve to be under that endless wrath of God for these sins. We deserve that God turns his back on us and forsakes us for all eternity. The Bible teaches that that is what our sins deserve. The wrath of God against your sins is so great that he could not leave it unpunished. We realize where we deserve to be. And yet we have hope We are not able to earn peace with God. But when we confess that Jesus Christ suffered, we understand this to mean that he did so in the place of everyone who believes that Jesus is their Lord. You were not on the cross, but Jesus Christ was there for your sakes. He was made to be sin for us. And so we do not need to live in the fear of of everlasting torment and condemnation because He was for you and in your place. He suffered under the curse of God because of your sins. Yes, and I know that He was cursed because He was crucified, we confess. He was cursed by God though he was innocent. And look how we confess it. That curse lay on me. I deserve that curse. And outside of Christ, the curse remains. God made Jesus Christ our atoning sacrifice. God poured out his curse upon him for our sakes. What you deserve, he endured. And so the gospel message of Jesus Christ is a message of great love. Not not just love in the sense of sweet nothings that a man whispers in his lover's ear. Not not just love in, in in terms of strange feelings in our hearts. But love that shows itself in rolling up the sleeves and doing something. Taking a hit for someone else's sake. Sacrificing yourself for the sake of someone else. That kind of love. Love that rescues, love that saves, that creates, that gives life. And it is deeper yet, for Jesus was not compelled to give himself up for others by someone else. Nor did anyone in the world even want him to come and rescue them. 
but it was his gracious desire. In the Bible, we read that not only did he choose when he would come into the world and actively empty himself to be a human, we also read that while he was on earth, he resolutely made his way to Jerusalem. It was because of the depth of the love in his heart that he had a unique goal in his mind while he lived on earth. You can see in Luke 13, verse 33, the Lord Jesus says, I must keep going today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. It was Jesus' goal to suffer and die in Jerusalem. Although it was the utmost of suffering, to be under the curse of God for the wickedness of mankind. It was for this very reason he came into this world. He gained nothing for himself because he already had the fullness of God's glory. He was determined to endure the curse of the very God to whom he was obedient to. All for our sakes. To rescue us from eternal damnation. That means eternity in hell, separate from God. He came to rescue us from that which we deserved. And we see also that he came to fill us with his blessing. What we enjoy, he earned. If you feel that it is important to understand what it means to be a Christian and you want to have the right starting point for your day, then you should memorize Article 20 of the Belgian Confession. Or at least read it regularly. We read this together so, so we all know how, how beautifully it, it, it describes our salvation. It summarizes that message that we read in 2 Corinthians 5. God's justice and his mercy come together in Jesus Christ so that we can say that God therefore manifested his justice against his son when he laid our iniquity on him. And he poured out his goodness and his mercy on us who were guilty and worthy of damnation. You see that? Justice and mercy. Justice on his son. Mercy to the church. And now through him we obtain immortality and life eternal. Anger, wrath, and punishment of God fell on Christ. Christ makes a payment to God for the sake of all his elect, all elect children, that is all who as a result of God's grace believe in Jesus Christ and worship him from their hearts They share in all that he earned by his perfect work. We enjoy what he earned. And if we understand that, we have to ask, how can anyone wander away from this message? How can anyone start walking away from the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ? How can the remembers raised in homes that teach this message, they yet leave? And so we call urgently, do not leave the truth. Our life is only in Jesus Christ. We are willing to sacrifice everything to remain in him. You know what that means? You see, you do not have the right to claim anything for yourself. You have seen what your sins deserve. If we remain in our sins, if we, if we turn our eyes from Jesus Christ and, and refuse then to, to remain in this blessing, then we will take our turn 
standing before the judgment seat of God on that, on that day. And what will you say about yourself? Or if we even think, what about your neighbor who doesn't know Jesus Christ that you wave to over the fence? What does he deserve? Should we maybe speak and tell him? If we remain in our sins, if we remain outside of Jesus Christ, if we remain outside of the church of Jesus Christ, we remain guilty of breaking all God's commands. We remain in our sins, we are outside of the favor of God, we are destined for everlasting suffering and punishment. When we speak of the suffering of Christ, we have to understand why he suffered and what he suffered and what that means for us. Sometimes it feels like it's a little out of style to talk about our suffering. We cannot understand our salvation if we do not understand that there is such a thing as everlasting damnation. There is such a thing and and my sins and our sins have earned that for us. And yet we have that beautiful message again if we go back to article 20 of the Belgian Confession justice, wrath, anger against that sin blessing, mercy love to the church of Christ undeserved mercy you will get what you have not earned you will not get what you deserve that is the message of the gospel In Jesus Christ, do you live every moment of your life with this knowledge? Because if you do, you will show it in a thankful life. It is impossible to know this truth. And yet live in a rebellious manner, despising the church, despising the office bearers whom God has ordained in our midst not showing love to our neighbor, not singing and teaching our children the joys of Christ. One man, Jesus Christ, dying for sinners. Let the repentant murderer, let the repentant sexually immoral person, let the the repentant greedy person, let the repentant liar and the repentant proud man see this message of the gospel and find hope The Holy Spirit says in Romans 8 verse 1 now, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus says in John 5 verse 24, the blessed words of comfort. Listen, I tell you the truth, he says, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Life can be enjoyed by those who believe in Jesus Christ. That is the part of our confession that Christ suffered. For what he suffered, we don't have to suffer. But what he gained through his suffering, we may share in. 
We share in all that he has obtained by his work on the cross. We confess that there are many blessings for us who hide our lives in Christ. In the first place, we confess that we are shown the grace of God. The grace of God rather than his anger and his punishment. We instead look to God in heaven with confidence and we are unashamed. For we see his grace in Christ. We see his face shine upon us. Not to wipe us out, but to extend his blessing toward us. We hear that every Sunday. Those are not just words that some guy speaks. as the Lord Jesus, the Lord himself, blessing his people because of the suffering of Christ. Because God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. promised eternal life we cannot imagine what that means fully eternal life just like we cannot imagine eternal damnation we cannot imagine eternal life but we understand from John 17 verse 3 that it is a perfect knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ it is to live in this relationship of confidence with the creator of heaven and earth. He who created all things is our Father. We live each day with the heaven open before us, with our God who is sovereign above us, with us. He even says in Isaiah that he holds us by our right hand. So we see that Jesus Christ is the difference between life and death. Eternal life and eternal death. And we need to understand that. And we need to teach our children that. And we need to teach our young people that. Sometimes we hear encouragement from our teenagers to relax. It's okay. Let's think about what Christ Jesus suffered. Let's think about what sin is. Let's think about this message. We see in 2 Corinthians 5 that those who understand this will show it. The Holy Spirit works in their hearts to become a new creation. People who recognize the message this afternoon, who hear the voice of their shepherd showing them the value of this life, they will live with great praise and thanksgiving ever on their lips. Their life will be a song of joy. Yes, you will struggle and you will fight against sin and sin will be with you but you will fight against it with confidence because Christ, who had no sin, was made to be sin for us. And secondly, we realize that there will be great humility. Those who recognize that they deserve punishment and are very quiet when they don't get it, ask any teacher when he forgives a student or if a man admits to a a police admits to a crime to a police officer and the police officer shows mercy to him and allows him to get away without paying a fine, that person will not then start yelling in defiance at that police officer and calling him names and hitting him. He'll be humble and he will resolve to obey the law in matters like this in the future. It's not always easy for us. Mainly because the day of judgment is something in the future. 
We got bills to pay, houses to build, cars to take care of, lawns to take care of, holidays to go on, work, school. Suffering of Christ doesn't fit on a nice summer day, does it? It's the only answer to our problem. We need to stare at those words of the Bible to see it in black and white. We cannot earn our salvation by good works. But at the same time, we can say that our rebellion in the past will not earn me hell if I believe in Jesus Christ now. And show this not just in words, but also in deeds. And as God's people, we understand this. And for that reason, as God's people, we live in this beautiful context of the forgiveness of our sins. This is what we confess to be true when we say that Jesus Christ suffered. We say it was not for nothing. It was for salvation of sinners, even the greatest sinners. And so we live our life today. The present is what matters. Our connection to eternal life is found in the present. Where is our heart today? Not what are you going to do tomorrow or or sometime in the future. Not even what you did in the past. There's life in Christ. Today, he suffered for us and in our place. And so we live with a great comfort that we have peace with God. We do not have to spend eternity under that wrath. We may suffer in this life. Sure, loved ones may die. You may get sick. You may lose money. You may have trouble breaking addictions. You may be persecuted. One day, you too will die. But do you know what? A believer will never suffer separation from his God and creator. Because Jesus Christ has done that for them. And this is what we mean when we confess that Jesus suffered. It's a triumphant confession of a weary church. It's an utterance of hope by a sinful people. It is a joyful declaration and a celebration by a people saved from eternal condemnation and brought into God's grace and His righteousness and His eternal life. And when we sing hymn 1A, or we say the Apostles' Creed, and we say that Jesus Christ suffered, we have that hope. Amen. Let us now stand if you're able and we will sing together Psalm 31, stanzas 12, 13, 14, and 15.